time. The time has come. The time has come. And um, nobody's ever heard that. The time has come. Yeah. Reminds me of, a, of an old uh, I Love Lucy episode when they were rehearsing Lucy going to the hospital. If you're an I Love Lucy fan, then you'll, you'll, you'll appreciate this. And they were rehearsing it, and Ricky steps out, and he said, she's going to come out, and she's going to say, the time has come. No, that's not how it works. But I believe, I believe the time has come. That's what I want to talk about tonight. The time has come. Turn into your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 7. Ezekiel chapter 7. Verse number one. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Ezekiel 7, verse one. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. This is what the sovereign Lord says to the land of Israel. The end, the end has come. Upon the four corners of the land, the end is now upon you. And I will unleash my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. I will not look on you with pity. I will not spare you. I will surely repay you for your conduct. And for the detestable practices among you. Do you see a pattern there? Then you will know that I am the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Disaster. Unheard of disaster. See it comes. The end has come. The end has come. It has roused itself against you. See it comes. Doom has come upon you. Upon you who dwell in the land. The time has come. The day is near. There is panic, not joy on the mountains. I am about to pour out my wrath on you and spend my anger against you. I will judge you according to your conduct and repay you for all your detestable practices. There it is a third time. I will not look on you with pity. I will not spare you. I will repay you for your conduct and for the detestable practices among you a fourth time. Then you will know that it is I, the Lord, who strikes you. But God is a God of love. Well... Yes, he is, but he's also a God of jealousy and he's a God of anger when the situation calls for it. This scripture is God's word to the Israelites who had ventured far from God and they ignored his word and their previous devotion to him. This was to the people of God. God told them that their time has come and the day is near, meaning that you are being called to account again Four times in this passage for your conduct and the detestable things that you have done. How many know that there are some things that are detestable to God? Some things that are just, they just are against God. 
What are detestable things against God? Can I tell you that sin is detestable to God? That's pretty much it. It encompasses everything. Everything that this book says it is not right to do is detestable in God's eyes. The detestable things you have done. It says then they would be recipients of his wrath and his judgment. Boy, pastor, this is a real up message, isn't it? I mean, you know, you're just getting right down there, making us feel real good about ourselves. Well, I want to draw a parallel because in our culture today, it seems like we can look around, we can see the evil, we can see the immorality, and it seems like God is just ignoring it, and people are just getting by with murder and all kinds of stuff, even sometimes within the church world. There are Christians, that so-called Christians, that are behaving in some of these ways. They have said yes to sin, and, and some people think, well... They are living what they think to be a Christian life, and everybody's got their own version of what they think Christian ought to be. And it seems that God's not really doing much about it. It just seems to be happening. And that everybody's just, you know, that God's ignoring it. I assure you, He is not. Over and over, the Bible assures us that the day of the Lord is coming and that there will be a great judgment and wrath that will be poured out over the entire world as the judgment of God comes upon the ungodly people that are left here on the earth. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, because of this, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. So that you may pray. Be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. The end is near. That really, that verse implies that if you're not alert and if you're not sober-minded, you won't be able to pray. You can say words, but how many know there's a difference between praying and saying words. Amen. It's the same thing as you can say to somebody, I love you, but if it doesn't come from the heart, it's really just words. Church, we must live our lives in the light of Christ's imminent return and, and, and of the end of the world because it is going to come. There is already an appointment with the end of this world that will come. James 8, excuse me, 5, verse 8 says, You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. The judge is standing at the door. How many of you are jumpy? Thank you for identifying yourselves. We'll make a mental note of that for a later time. Um, some people say they aren't jumpy, but they can be startled. Um, I will have to admit I'm a practical jokester. Grew up and the kids, uh, Nick and Natalie, they would, uh, uh, they would be easy to fall prey to. All I'd have to do is just be around the, the corner of a door, and I would just go, ah, and they would jump out of their skin. 
I couldn't do that with Annette. Few times that I've gotten her over the years, and it's very few. She's just not that persuasion. And the kids would love to get me back, and I can be gotten, but it's not as easy. Uh, but they have gotten that. But I remember one time, I think it was Nick maybe, was standing behind the door when I walked in from work and jumped out at me. And he says, I got you, I got you, I got you. And he did. Just like, just like the suddenness of somebody that jumps out like that. The judge is standing at the door. He's ready to go through the door. We must stand firm as we wait patiently for his coming. Patience for God's timing. How many know that God has a timing? And rarely is it the same as our timing. I have found that out in all kinds of different things that have happened in my life. His timing is not the same as our timing. We also must be patient with fellow believers. The verse talked about don't grumble against one another. How many know that it's easy sometimes to lose patience with somebody because, you know, you really ought to know better. We've talked about this before, but we have to be patient with each other. We have to be patient with it. How many know that God is patient with us? We can at least be patient with each other. And then, and lastly, we have to be as patient, not only with fellow believers, but with the lost as well. Because Jesus is patient. God, The Bible says that God is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we've got to be patient with the lost because we know, we know that, that we want to win as many of them as we can for Jesus. And we won't do it by being impatient and being uppity in our spirit. We've got to be patient, but we've got to stand firm in our patience. We've got to know with that mentality that Jesus is standing at the door. The judge is about to come in. It's a about to be a moment where, 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 where all rise is presented and then all of a sudden it's over with. And that's it. Verse 9 tells us why. The judge is standing at the door. We don't know exactly when, but we know that the time has come. We can see clear signs that the day of the Lord is upon us if we just look around this. 1 John 2.18 says, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we will know it is the last hour. We know that there will be an Antichrist that will come at the end of the age to rule the, the world and lead a great rebellion against Christ. But John writes here of many Antichrists that have already come. At the time he wrote this, he said, they're already here. This speaks of the evil influence and the deception that Satan has used within the four walls of the church to make the spirit of the world be accepted as the guiding influence, not the Holy Spirit. That's what the devil seeks to do. If I can cause somebody in leadership to accept something that might just be a little bit off from the gospel, the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and I can get them to buy into that, and they can lead a whole movement, and before long we've got somebody that is way off base from where they were. How many ever been to the, uh, uh, the arch in St. Louis? We've been up in it two or three times. And it's a powerful thing. Pastor Bill actually, I found out this years later, worked, was on the construction crew that helped build that in the 60s. 
There's a documentary uh, movie that we have about it, and they show the film in the theater before, you know, as, a, as a, a place you can watch and find out more about it. It's about an hour long. It shows how they built it, and they, docu they put it in a documentary. And, and the foundation of those legs of the arch as they built it were 60 feet into solid bedrock. Concrete poured 60 feet down into bedrock. They built both arches to come up to the middle and meet. And they had to be so precise with the measurements that if they were off as much as a sixteenth of an inch, they would be feet apart when they got up here and they wouldn't meet. It had to be calculated so precisely. Just a small bit. And my friends, if the devil can cause us to Accept something, some little something that might seem so insignificant. Where will that trail take us? And we end up sometimes way over here and we're like, that's not even close to where I once was. And before long, we're not as close in our relationship with Jesus as we once were. And we wonder why God doesn't move and why he doesn't hear us when we pray because we're living in a world that is different and the devil's done his job by taking us further and further away there are people who there are people who fill these worldly so-called church gatherings that lead the unchurched into believing that they have found God and they haven't they don't preach the word of God. They preach something that is like the word of God. We went to a family reunion last Saturday and Annette's cousin, Annette made a chocolate cake, wonderful chocolate cake. It's all gone now, but it's, it was good. Everybody loves this chocolate cake. One of her cousins came up and uh, to, the, the, to her pan, it was covered, and he says, is this, a, is this like a chocolate cake? And I said, no, it's not like a chocolate cake. It is a chocolate cake. How many know you can have something that's like and you can have something that is? Why do you want something that's like anything to do with God when you can have something that is absolutely to do with God? Why do you want something that is a, a parallel to what real is? Why do you want something that's manufactured or hyped up? Uh, if we could get our music just right, if we can attract the right kind of people, if we can put out a survey and say, oh, what kind of people do we need to reach? And, I, and I'm, all for, I'm all for reaching out into certain people and ministering into certain groups, and there's nothing wrong with targeted ministry. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is that when we do what we can to appeal to people, and we do so at the cost and expense of the trueness of the Word of God, then we miss the mark completely. Completely. And we end up putting something forth that is like church, but not really. The time has come, church, for us to stand firm in our faith in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. 
that really, when you look at that verse, it almost sounds like, well, unbelievers aren't able to see the light of the gospel. Why can't they? Because they're involved in a, a, a light that is so bright, it shines a false light and a false sense of security into their world that they think they've got it and they really don't. Any, anyone who professes they are a follower of Jesus Christ, but they love the world and the sinful pleasures and place themselves in, they, they place themselves in rebellion more, uh, more and more and against God and against the righteousness that comes only through Jesus Christ. Because it's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. It will never be about anything else but the blood of Jesus Christ that washes our sins away. It's a simple gospel message. Message. And when we grasp the truth of that, we realize that we must put that message out there and stand firm. I believe that the time has come. And the scripture said the day is near for the Lord to return. I believe the time has come for the church of Jesus Christ to boldly stand and put on the battle gear in the prayer closets across America as we prepare for the day of the Lord because His return is very near. We must put on the battle gear. We must step up to battle. We don't have time to play around. Time is so short. And if you don't think it is, just think about a year ago and where we were and where you were and how quickly it has passed. And some people, they go, that's one of the longest years I've ever endured in my life. But you think about it and the time has just gone like that. It might not have seemed it at the time, but it does now. It's gone. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer and being, being watchful and thankful. How many know that you can be devoted to a lot of things? You can be devoted to your career. You can be devoted to relationships. You can be devoted to a hobby. You can be devoted to a lot of different things. But unless we're devoted to prayer, prayer is still the central key of how God communicates to his people. He still communicates through prayer. We communicate through prayer. And if we put prayer on the level of, well, I'll pray when I need to. Can I tell you you've already failed because you pray when you need to? You'll only pray when crisis comes up. You need to pray and you need to pray every day and you need to pray as often. And there's something called a, having a spirit of prayer. How many ever heard of a spirit of prayer? A spirit of prayer. What does that mean? Well, it means that when you have idle time, you don't fill your idle time with um, things that have no eternal significance. And I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about. Uh, um, I'm not talking about not having hobbies and not doing things that are that are you know enjoyable. You know, everybody has to have some kind of outlet, I guess. And that's not bad. But what I'm saying is that how you can have that spirit of prayer is that when you're going back and forth and, and, and you're walking down the hallway, and I think our online audience wants to see me. Oh. There we go. Thank you. Um, when, we're, when we're walking around, and it can be just something so harmless as you know, just going down the hallway from one place to the other. And then all of a sudden, because you're in the attitude of prayer and you're not distracted with something else, you're like, Lord, I just praise you. 
I just thank you for who you are. And I just give you glory and I give you praise. I want you to speak to my heart wherever I am in my stage and walk with you. I want you to fill my mind with visions. I want you to fill my heart with the things of God. I want my mind to be so focused upon you that I want to hear your voice. But if every spare moment of my day is filled with something else, and God can be just like, I'm just waiting. Mm -hmm. I'm just waiting for you to have that still moment. That still moment. I want us just, just for a moment, just to have a still moment. Can we do that? Hallelujah. Right now, Father, I just ask that you will just, as we point our hearts toward you, and as we direct our thoughts, and our minds toward you right now, and our hearts heavenward, that you would just speak to us right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, I don't know if you can sense the presence of the Lord, but I just sense him right now. Hallelujah. You see, and it's in this stillness that he can come down and he can bless and he can speak and he can give you those nudges in the Holy Spirit that you desperately need. How many of you have ever felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit? You feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit. It means he wants you, he wants to communicate something to you. He may want to communicate to you to do something specific. He may want to give you an idea to file away to use at a later time. You never know because God is sovereign and he does what he wants to do. There may be somebody in need. I don't want to be so distracted in life's cares and life's circumstances that I'm unable to hear the voice of God. And if we never give him time and place, we won't be able to hear from him. How many ever had a one-sided conversation? You've talked with somebody and it's like they're doing all the talking. And, and you're like, you can say, yeah, that's really neat. And then you just put like, four words in them, they're off again. And it's about 500 words later and then you're talking again, you know. Um, is that how we are with God? I mean, are we like, God this, God this, God this, amen. And then we don't really give him time and place. The time has come for us to get ready for battle. We do so on our knees and in our prayer closets. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So we continue steadfastly persevering, which implies a tenacity not to quit. Not to quit. How many everybody, how many you ever seen a quitter? Maybe you've been a quitter. You felt like throwing in the towel. You felt like just giving it up because what's the use? If the enemy of your soul can get you to do that in the spiritual realm, that's exactly what he wants to do. 
There is never anything that is worth quitting your relationship with Jesus Christ or walking away from your faith. I don't care what it is. There's nothing worth that. Nothing at all. You may think things get bad and things get tough, and they certainly can. But what you need is you need to surround yourselves with people who will pray. Who will absolutely pray and who will touch God. There are kinds of prayer we pray. We pray when it's a push prayer. You pray until something happens. Be watchful means, means to be spiritually awake and alert because the devil will try everything in the world to stop us. He'll try to stop you from going to church if it's church time. He'll try to, to... I heard David A. Baker say something funny one time. He said, this is probably back in the days of home phones. Um, for those of you under 20, uh, we used to have these things in our houses that kind of looked like... Well, they didn't really look like a cell phone, but they were two pieces. You had a receiver, which is the thing you held to your hand, your ear, and then the thing you put it on. And, and there was a wire and a cord that went here and it went out either underground or up on the air somewhere, you know, through on, on power lines and stuff like that. And, and people used to call. And that was how people got a hold of us. We didn't have personal communication devices. If you wanted to call somebody, you called their house. And if they weren't home, you didn't talk to them. Anyway, Brother David A. Baker says, this lady was coming to church during a revival he was preaching. And one night, she wasn't there. And the next night, she came and she said, you know, she said, I would have come last night, but the phone rang just as I was ready to go out the door and that woman kept me on the phone for two hours. And he said, well, I was always taught that if somebody was calling that, that meant the phone, when the phone was ringing, that meant somebody wanted to talk to you. And if you answered it, that meant you wanted to talk to them. So, I'm just saying. That was before caller ID. Before caller ID, yeah. Yeah, some people, that would be just, I'm not going to answer the phone unless I know who it is. Well, that was just commonplace all the time, wasn't it? We, we've got to decide that we're going into battle one more time. You've got, when, when something happens and there's, there's some kind of defeat that happens or something, you've got to muster up enough strength to say, I'm going to do it one more time. And then when, if it happens again, you say, I'm going to do it one more time. And you keep having that mentality and that attitude that I'm not going to quit. There's going to be one more time. There's one more soul that I've got to win. There's one more victory that's about to happen. And, and I don't want it necessarily to be in my life. But yes, I love victory. But I want to help somebody else to their victory as well. And I I can't do it if I quit. I've got to be devoted to prayer. I've got to be watchful. I've got to be thankful. And, and I can think of enough things to make me thankful, to keep me in prayer, and to make me say, I'm going to watch and I'm going to be aware of what the devil is going to try to do. The devil will not win, but we've got to be on our guard against him. The time has come. The day of the Lord is near. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says, For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. This day of the Lord is an extended period of time when God's enemies are overthrown by the followers, followed by Christ's return to this earth. And this day 
begins when direct judgment from God will fall on the world toward the end of this age. First Thessalonians uh, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 3 says, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a, on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light. And children of the day, we do not belong it, uh, to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. As the day of the Lord comes, people will be hoping for peace and safety, but it will not be found. When Jesus comes back to collect those of us who trust in him, the day of the Lord will not take us by surprise because we are longing for his return. We are looking forward to his return. We are children of the light. <clears throat> we must let others know what is to come. This, this crying out that people will have after the rapture of the church when people are saying peace and safety. People are really crying for peace and safety today, but they're not finding it because they will never find it outside of Christ. But they will really be crying out to it when the Antichrist of the age that comes in rebellion after the church is gone tries and, 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 and gets all the people uh, that, that will serve him on his side. People are crying for peace and safety because there won't be peace and safety. But sudden destruction is going to come upon those who have turned their backs on God. And if they will not be able to have peace and safety then, they have to have it now because they won't be able to find it then. And the only peace and safety, the only real peace that you can find is in Jesus Christ. The time has come. Church, let us not be like others who have been rocked to sleep by this world's allure, but let us be awake. Verse 6 tells us, alert, keeping watch. It means continued vigil so that we will be prepared if, so that we will be prepared if we wish to escape the wrath that is sure to come. We've got to be spiritually awake and morally alert and continue in our faith, unswayed by what this world offers us. The time has come. The day is near, church. Romans 13, 11 says, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. The armor of light is Jesus Christ. Paul was so intently looking for Jesus to come back even when he wrote this in his generation. I believe it is an incumbent upon us to have that same sense of urgency. He could come before we even get outside this building tonight. He can come before we even get to our cars, before we get to our house, before we even get to our bed, before we wake up in the morning. If he doesn't come at one point, we've got to keep continually looking for him to come. If he doesn't come today, we'd better be 
looking for him tomorrow because we just simply do not know. And that sense of urgency and making us prepared and ready and making sure that our house is in order and making sure that we're ready to go gives us the determination and the, the fervency to say, let me tell you about my Jesus because time is so short. You've got to be ready. You've got to make sure that you're ready. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my name is written in heaven and I am ready to go. There's no question in my mind and I'm ready. Should I die today? I'd be in his presence tomorrow and somebody else might say, I don't, I don't know where you're coming from, but I don't have that peace. Well, let me tell you about my Jesus. He doesn't open those doors for you not to go through. He opens those conversations and those divine appointments for you absolutely with the boldness of the Holy Ghost to go through those doors and say, let me tell you about what God has done for me. You don't have to use church speak and all that kind of stuff to get through to him. You can tell it in a simple way. However the Holy Spirit leads you and whatever matches your character. You don't have to repeat what pastor says. You just say what the Holy Spirit fills your mouth. If you're willing and you open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. I'm not going to profess to always be, be able to know what right words to say in every situation. There was a time in my life when I was pretty young and I thought, you know, I just seemed to say the wrong things in conversation and I just my tongue just seemed to get twisted up and I'd say something that'd come out wrong and I, and I thought, you know, I really just hate that. And and but I have learned I've learned that whenever the Lord has prompted me to do something then it always turns out right. Mm -hmm. It always turns out right. And it will. The time has come, church. The day is almost here for us to make sure that we are sure, we may make sure that we continue to walk in the light of Jesus Christ and we put on the armor of His light. Journey, my granddaughter, I taught her a few months ago about the moon. I said, Journey, there's the moon right up there. And she said, moon? She's 22 months old, and I love that little girl. And she'll point up to it and say, moon. Now I can be outside with her, and I say, Journey, where's the moon? And she starts to look for it. And she'll point to it, and she'll say, moon. It's natural for people to be drawn to light. They were over at the house last night and I went into the bedroom to get my phone that was on the charger and the bedroom light was off. And Journey followed me. A few steps into our dark bedroom and she says, Poppy. And she wouldn't come much further. And I said, I'm right here. And I picked her up and I took her back in there where the light was. Outside is her middle name. She loves to go outside. And so last night, she said, outside? Well, it was dark outside. Of course, we have these floodlights that are on at night. But before I showed her out there, I turned off those lights. And then I opened the blinds so she could see. And I said, Journey, it's dark out there. And she says, dark? She doesn't like dark. But if it was light out there and she could see, 
that would be what she would want to do. She want to get out into the light where she can move around. People are drawn to light. They are drawn to light. If that wasn't the case, you wouldn't have a light on when you're wanting, when you're trying to find your way through somewhere. Why is it? Why is it that the car manufacturers you punch your punch your button now and then the headlights come on? It's because you're drawn to light. You want to be able to see where you're going. People are drawn to light. So we put on the armor of light so people and people will be drawn to us. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to pretend. It's the same thing in our lives personally and in the body of believers that gather together. People are drawn to the real. They are drawn to the supernatural that is true. That is Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God. And Jesus said it this way. In Matthew 24 and 42, I want to close with this verse tonight. <clears throat> Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. You don't know. How many ever been expecting company? You've made preparations. You maybe tidied up a little more than you might have otherwise. Now, maybe some of you aren't like that, but... Um, I think most people probably generally are. And then when you know somebody's coming, I have a habit of, well, I know they're supposed to be here about this time and I'll look and I'll see. Mm -hmm. are, are they here yet? The dogs usually let us know. <laughs> the time has come, the day is near. And now is the only time that we have. Now is the only time that we have. Period. My former pastor Marcus Alexander used to say that yesterday is in the tomb of time. Tomorrow's in the womb of time. And today is all we have. Right now. We don't know the exact time, but the signs of the times are ever-present, church. Just look around us. The season of harvest is before us. There's an old song. I've sang it here a couple of times. It says, my house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to sit around the table, but no one wants to work in my field. No one wants to work in my field. It's work. Working for the Lord is work. Oh, I'm just so tired. What is a life worth? Can you put a price on a soul? If we can just reach one. Don't focus on all the people that you can reach. Just focus on one. Focus on one. Does that mean I'm supposed to square all my attention on one person? No, that doesn't mean it. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not suggesting you pick out one person and hammer them and hammer them and hammer them until you hammer them into submission and they say, okay, I give up. I'll come to church with you. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about walking around with that alertness and soberness of mind and that prayerfulness in your heart saying, God, I don't know which one I'm supposed to talk to or which one, but I want you to show me. Show me the next one. Show me the next one. 
And you may not see everything that happens right before you because the scriptures say that some plant the seed, some water, and some reap the harvest. But God's the one that gives the increase. Whatever part it is that we do, there's a part for us to play because the time has come for us to do that. We must never assume that he cannot come today. Jesus was letting us know that we must be ready because Jesus will come back without further warning and at an, and, and at an unexpected time for most. Why do you say most? Because the Bible says that straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and peace and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there's many that will find that pathway. We must be ready. The time has come. So what I want us to do in the time that we have left, we've got about 15 to 20 minutes at least before the youth get out of the their session back there. We're going to have a time of prayer here in our sanctuary. We're going to have some music that plays. And I want us to get serious with God. Ask Him, God, is everything right here where it needs to be? Am I right with you? God, keep me in that spirit of prayer. Lord, I bring my lost loved ones and my family before you. I want to be a divine, I want to have a divine encounter so that I can be used by you. I want to be in that harvest. I don't want to put off any further work for you until, until tomorrow, because tomorrow may not come for me or for any of us. I want to lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to allow our online audience to depart. Father, I thank you for who you are. And I thank you, God, for the power of your word. God, I thank you because you are you're the reminder that says that no one knows the hour, no one knows the time. But Lord, we know that our time is short. We know that we are just as a vapor. We're here for a little while and then we're gone. We don't know how much time that we have, but I pray, God, that you will touch our hearts Lord, to be tender before you, to be receptive before you so that we can be useful to you and to your kingdom. Help us, oh Lord, to be steadfast in our tenacity in the prayer closet so that we can be bold for you in our daily life. Lord, there are souls all around us each and every day that need your touch. May we be the light that, that we have put on, the armor of light in Jesus Christ that others, others will be drawn to. Let me have that spirit of prayer consistently and constantly throughout my days. As many days as you shall give me, Lord, I devote them to you. And I thank you, Lord, for the harvest in advance that you will bring in. Because, Lord, the souls are too valuable to let them be laying out there without any witness at all. God, burden us for the lost. 
Let a move of God happen so fervently in each one of our hearts and in our church and in our churches across this state and across this land to stir the revival of your spirit within us again. One more time, God, let us see your hand move across this land. Let us be used as catalysts to make it happen. I thank you for it. And I praise you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for moving and touching those that are watching today and listening. God, I ask for your anointing to be upon them as they reach up to you, reach down to them. Touch them in a powerful way. Let them be reminded of who you are and the trueness of your word and your character and nature and reveal to them the things of God. I praise you for it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.